And isn't it good to know that there's no power in heaven or upon earth that can remove us from God's hands. I want to encourage you, if you have your copy of God's Word, to please open it to Matthew chapter 26. Since we'll be sharing the Lord's Supper today, I wanted to look at a passage in Matthew that records the Last Supper. The last time Jesus enjoyed the Passover with his disciples. We're going to walk through the first verses fairly quickly, but I, because I want, to, I want to linger in verse 29. I want us to think about how the Lord's Supper not only should cause us to think back and remember Jesus' death and resurrection, but it must also cause us to look forward. Follow with me as I read the text. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The events that took place that night were shocking. I'm not just referring to Jesus' betrayal and arrest the trial that took place afterward, I'm referring to what took place in this upper room as the disciples and Jesus celebrated Passover. The shocking nature of what Jesus said is often lost on us because we're not looking at it through the lens of the Jews who had celebrated Passover for close to 2,000 years prior to this. Because what Jesus did radically transformed the meaning of that event. Basically what Jesus taught was this. That the exodus event and the passing of the death angel, that moment whenever the blood of the lambs were put over the doorpost and the death angel passed by, thus sparing the firstborn in every household because someone had died in that firstborn's place, Jesus is saying, that is fulfilled in me. That was just looking forward. That was a preview of the coming attraction. So, when Jesus speaks and he says this is my body he's teaching them that the meaning of the broken lamb is fulfilled now this morning as we share the small square unleavened wafers they're not literally transformed into the body of Christ Jesus is speaking symbolically and he's wanting us to know that as we share in communion we are publicly confessing that Jesus Christ died, His body broken for our sins. As believers share the Lord's Supper, we are making a statement that our faith is that when Jesus died upon the cross, He was suffering for our sins. When Jesus felt separated from God, He was enduring the separation that our sins bring about. That Jesus was taking God's wrath for us. So we remember that. Then Jesus says, as he takes the cup and he gives thanks, he says, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Once again, 
The grape juice we share this morning is not literally transformed into the blood of Jesus. But it is standing in symbolically to say that by partaking of it, you are a part of that covenant. That because Jesus' blood was shed, your sins are forgiven. Now all of that is looking backwards. It's remembering In many ways, sharing Lord's Supper is like an anniversary. It's not the moment you are saved because partaking of this does not save a person. It is faith in Jesus Christ, belief in God's grace that saves you. This is like an anniversary where you are are remembering that and coming back and saying in this public demonstration in a very tangible way, I am a follower of Jesus. But verse 29 also stands out. Because Jesus says words that I have no doubt if we could hear over 2,000 years, we would hear the jaws of the disciples dropping. Because Jesus says, I'm not going to drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is now looking forward. That's the element that I think sometimes we forget. When we share communion, our hearts and our minds should be remembering His death, burial, and resurrection. However, we should also be thinking forward. So this morning, I want to give you two things to remember about communion. Two things that are looking forward that reminds us that the sharing of communion, although a very serious thing, is an event that should be filled with joy. There should be joy because of the coming celebration. We often don't think of celebration with communion, but there should be an element of looking forward to a future celebration. Notice what Jesus says. I'll not drink again of this fruit of the vine. He's speaking of wine there. Now in the Old Testament, wine carried with it several different meanings. It represented something. On the negative side, wine carried with it a warning about drunkenness. That to to be drunk with wine was a bad thing because it symbolized a lack of self-control. You were being controlled by something other than God and it's something to be avoided. But on the positive side, wine represented blessing now and in the future. It represented joy, the idea of God's blessing being poured out. For example, in Joel chapter 3, verse 18, the prophet Joel, looking forward to the day of the kingdom of God, said this, In that day, mountains will be deep with wine. You know what he's saying? On that day when the kingdom is set up, Mount Everest will be covered with wine because there will be so much joy taking place. Isaiah 52, 6 says this, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast for all people, a banquet of aged wine. He's looking forward to a feast in the future when Jesus returns and the celebration is for all people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. The reason for the celebration is found later in verse 29 where he says, In my Father's kingdom. He's looking forward to the day when he will return and God's kingdom will be firmly established. Now, don't misunderstand this. God is reigning right now. He is king. But right now, there is still rebellion that exists. This verse is looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and God's reign is established fully and rebellion will be eradicated completely. I want us to get a vision of that day. For me, it's hard for me to imagine things 
For example, if we're getting ready to paint a room and Jody says, this room will look good in, in light turquoise. I don't have a clue what that room is going to look like in light turquoise. I've always been amazed at the show Fixer Upper. When Chip and Joanna come to a house and they start talking about, oh, well, we'll knock out this wall and we'll put in cabinets here and we'll paint here and we'll remove this. And we'll put up a shipboard here and then we're going to come in and we're going to redo the whole yard. And I'm like, what? I just want to paint a room. And then she sits down with the couple and she gets out her computer. And on that computer, she has this computer model of what it'll look like. Now that I can deal with. I see something tangible, what it looks like, what it is. God has given us a rendering, a model of what the kingdom will look like. In Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapters 4 and 5, we get a picture of this kingdom. I want to walk you through these chapters quickly. Jesus gets into a boat. That boat is hit by a storm. As the disciples are fearful, as the waves are battering the ship, Jesus speaks a word, silence, and the waves stop. Jesus lands. He gets out at a place called Gadarene. There he's met by a man possessed by many demons. Jesus speaks a word and the demons leave going into swine. Not even pigs can handle demons so they run off the edge of a cliff and kill themselves. He's had control over nature, over the demonic. Now he gets word that a girl is sick and Jesus is on his way to heal her when a woman touches him and she is healed. Sickness is gone simply with the touch of Jesus. He gets word that the little girl has died. Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. And then he goes and he kneels behind the, beside that little girl and he utters the words that we have prayed continually, Talitha Kumai. And she gets up. I want you to think about those four things that Jesus did in a very brief period of time. Natural disasters, storm at sea, he calms. Demonic, he controls. Disease, he eradicates, and death, he overcomes. That is a picture of the reign of God completely. There is no, no disaster because nature has been completely renewed and recreated. There is no disease, there is no death, and there is no demonic. That is a picture of God's reign. And church, that is worth celebrating and saying that is what will take place when our Lord Jesus returns and God's kingdom is here. And this meal is a foretaste of that. He says, as long as you take this, you're proclaiming my coming. So this is simply a foretaste of that celebration. And part of that celebration is a consummation where relationships come back together. Notice the emphasis that Jesus places in this. End of verse 29. When I drink it new with you. There is a relational component with this where Jesus is looking forward to a celebration and he says, you will be with me. And there is this celebration of all of us coming together to celebrate this. The saints that have gone on meeting with the saints that are living today. Celebrating. Relationships. And a relationship with Jesus that is no longer tainted by sin, but we are walking with Him in the presence. Now, understand something. Jesus did see the disciples again. He even ate with them. After His resurrection, they're in the Sea of Galilee. They're on the boat. Jesus says, hey, cast your nets on the other side. When they pull up their nets, they're breaking. There's so many fish in them. Peter looks up and he goes, that's Jesus. Uh-huh. And he dives in the water and he swims to the shore. The rest of the disciples, they get the boat in and they come up and Jesus has fried fish for them for breakfast. But they don't share wine yet because the kingdom has not yet come. 
Jesus is with us here today via the Holy Spirit. But what he's speaking of in verse 29 is a little different. We'll be with him in a different way then. Think of it like this. Of course, my daughter and her husband are in from China. And uh, I'm so thrilled to have them, everyone here in the family. But the thing that amazed me is that even though they were literally a world away, we could still talk with them regularly, FaceTime. Get on the phone. Hey, what are you guys doing? What are you up to? And that was wonderful because often I would think, you know, if I had to communicate by letter, it would take months to communicate. But now this is automatic. But as good as FaceTime is, it doesn't beat seeing them and hugging their necks. It doesn't beat being in the same room with them and hearing their voice. That tangible effect of being physically present. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is with us via the Holy Spirit. But on this day, we will be walking with him, talking with him. We will embrace him. We will embrace one another fully. And he says the communion we share based upon his death and resurrection is simply a picture of what one day will be. So my challenge to you is to let communion anchor you in that reality. It is so easy for us to get distracted. So easy. It is so easy for us to go about the things that we have to do each day. That we forget there's a better day coming. That we forget this world is temporary. When you feel weighed down with the burdens of this world. Stop for just a moment and remember. This world will soon be the world of our God. He will reign. When you feel grief overtaking you, remember grief is but temporary. That day is coming when He will wipe away every tear from every eye. And let this anchor you. Several years ago, a movie came out called Inception. It's a science fiction film where scientists had developed a means by which you could enter into a person's dreams. And act within those dreams. But here was the danger. The danger was you would get so enmeshed in a person's dreams. You would forget what is real. And you would think that dream is reality. So the main character, a man by the name of Cobb, carried with him a talisman. A small top. That he would hold on to and even spin. And it's what kept him rooted. That this was his connection with what is real. Let communion be that for you. To come back and say what is real is our Lord Jesus. This world is fading away. Life, the scripture says, is like a vapor. So I look forward to the day when he returns. And until that day, we are reminded to encourage one another. We are reminded, as it says in 2 Peter, to live lives of holiness and godliness. So this morning as we share communion together, I want to ask you to please praise Him for His death and resurrection. And remember, He's coming again. I want to ask you to bow with me. In just a moment, we will stand and we will sing a hymn of invitation. It's a prayer, actually. That as the deer pants for the water, so my soul hungers after you. And if you in any way need to respond, I'll be here at the front to pray with you. Or if you just want to come and kneel on this kneeling bench, I will be here and be glad to pray with you. But let's use this time to prepare 
for the sharing of communion together. Father, we come before you, Lord, sinners saved by your grace. Saints, by your hand. Lord, I pray that we would, we would be anchored this morning in the gospel. That when it seems the world is crumbling around us, we would remember that this world is not our home. And Lord, I cannot help but pray like John did in Revelation. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. And until that day, let us hunger for you more than anything else. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.